0: us to take just a moment and go back to where we were a little bit ago and let's ground in a bit so why don't we close our eyes all around the room and just still ourselves Paul Tillich referred to God brilliantly as the ground of all being and from the dust of the earth we came so we ground our feet in, When cross our legs. a Wonderful posture of prayer. Meditation is to put both feet on the floor and to literally feel the bottoms of your feet grounding in. This is not simply grounding into the soles of shoes and the carpet and the floor, but it's grounding into God, grounding yourself just like electricity. This is why Moses took shoes off. So we ground in and I want us to just open our heart to this idea of beauty. As we kind of take the beginning of this journey, think about something that has been beautiful for you. A sunset, a newborn child a field of flowers in Montana, just whatever. And let's take about two minutes, let's hold that object, and let it speak to us, let it open us. Let's concentrate now. Let's all take this together, take this journey together. At the end of two minutes, we're going to remain in a complying and open state just like this for another few minutes as we listen to a, a beautiful and exquisite piece by Hans Zimmer, German conductor, arranger, orchestrator. So let's hold the Thought of Beauty for just a minute or two here. Another few seconds, just another minute. Let's sit quietly and stilly in stillness and let's listen. Now with a deep breath, remembering the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, as though God were breathing into you, as He did the first humans in our creation story, let's be resuscitated by God. Breathe in, Holy Spirit of God. Breathe out, Numahgeon, holiness of God. Let's open our eyes and let's talk about beauty.
1: We're hoping that we can expose you to beauty such as that piece that we just listened to I encourage you to go back and listen to the full piece it's called beauty can save the world by Hans Zimmer Um, we wanted to begin our teaching time this morning by thinking about what the definition of beauty is and so we're each gonna take a go at it um, each individually but first I wanted to look at just the uh, definition by Miriam Webster on beauty beauty is a noun And it's the quality or aggregate of qualities in a person or thing that gives pleasure to the senses or pleasurably exalts the mind or spirit. I love that. Pleasurably exalts the mind or spirit. A second definition is a beautiful person or thing is beauty. Third, a particularly graceful, ornamental or excellent quality. And fourth, a brilliant, extreme or egregious example or instance. So, as I read that, I realize that for me, beauty is so much more than just this. And so, we are asking ourselves this morning what is beauty? And I think we have to start by asking. Is beauty subjective or does it possess objective qualities? So an objective uh, perspective is one that's not influenced by emotions or opinions or personal feelings. It's a perspective based on fact. It's based on things quantifiable and measurable. And so I have to start asking, is there a measure of beauty? Is beauty measurable in itself? A subjective perspective is one open to greater interpretation based on personal feeling, on emotion, or aesthetics. So the question there is, can beauty truly be known only to the eye of the beholder? And for me, I think it is both. So when I'm answering the question, what is beauty? Beauty is, for me, first, essential. Beauty is a revolving door that leads us from the visible to the invisible world. Beauty is a threshold of truth. So often beauty has become a function of one's subjective feelings of contentment or of one's feelings of what is pretty or what is sentimental. Beauty has often been co-opted by industry, be it fashion or our entertainment industry. In my opinion, our culture's very definition of beauty is restricting, and it's less than what true beauty represents. It seems we have not stewarded this beauty well that we have been graced with. Also, as I'm answering what is beauty, beauty is as much the activity and the process as it is the results. So beauty is not just for the domain then of aesthetics and of artists. And I say that as an artist myself, it is not, it does not just belong to us. As I was researching, I realized that before the Renaissance, concepts of beauty were intertwined with notions of thought and of wisdom, of intellect and action. But we have moved away from this now. We have confused beauty often with glamor, with opulence and with decoration. In a book by Daniel Cantor called A Call for Renewal, he says it's remarkable that notions of wisdom, truth, goodness, call, church, and vocation, they are all traced back to ancient connections with beauty. So I think it's a time for renewal as well. So beauty is also sensible, yes. Sensible beauty is that which comes from the perception of the five senses, the things that we see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. But there's also a deeper beauty behind that, a knowing that comes when we encounter beauty through our senses. So often we've stopped at just the senses, and we've made beauty far too shallow, and we have not explored its depths. With magazines and with cultural standards, we have often exploited beauty. Thus, our minds are then constantly filtering and working hard to process, and often because of that, our defenses are up when we're talking about what is beauty, who is beautiful. Beauty, though, again, is that threshold to truth. So beauty is essential, and it can be that revolving door. And one of my favorite poets and philosophers, John O'Donohue, he says this, we feel most alive in the presence of beauty. We feel most alive in the presence of beauty. Beauty is not a luxury, but it reminds us of the infinity within us. John Keats also said beauty is truth, and truth mm-hmm. is beauty. Michelle Arnold, who was on a team that we pulled together to talk about, I'm um, begin planning for the session. She's right over here. Michelle said you can't define beauty, you have to behold it. You have to behold beauty, you can't divine it. Beauty's effect then is immediate, it is inviting. So beauty is that then which is hospitable. Beauty is goodwill, it is benevolence, it is kindness. Beauty is connectedness. Beauty is balance and harmony. Beauty is that which comes together to point to more than just the sum of the parts. And so our hope in this series is to encourage you not just to find beauty, but to see it in all things. To know that beauty is not a window to the divine, that beauty itself is divine. Beauty is watching human excellence, like we do within the arts, hearing that piece, Or think about in sports, that is beauty when we are watching human excellence. Um, I randomly happened upon a crossfit competition on the TV the other day, and I was watching beauty because these people were pushing themselves to their limits. Think about um, when we watched the um, Olympics this summer, watching Michael Phelps swim and win those goals, watching Simone Biles or Ali Raisman, uh, Rassman, they were fully alive in that moment, and that was beautiful. So beauty is then taking the human capacity to the limits, and that is inspiring. It was beauty for me when I was in the room um, of two of my best friends Shelly Cofall and also Aaron Haley I was there in the hospital room with them when they gave birth to their children and watching their feminine frame push to the limits of themselves and then watching a new life being brought into this earth that was beauty and that was divine and the same feeling for me happened when I was in the hospital room with my brother-in-law and I was able to watch him take his last breath his body had met its capacity and its limits. And in that moment, it was beautiful and it was divine. (coughs) So what is beauty? Beauty is also, for me, it is simplicity. It is wholeness. It is oneness. All these things are aspects of the absolute and of God, I believe. So beautiful points to something more transcendent than we as humans have the tendency, though, again, to put boundaries on things. We long to have definitions. We long to have certainty and clearness, but I think beauty pushes against that. Beauty is boundless. You can't capture beauty. Beauty is that which captures you. You can't capture beauty. Beauty is that which captures you, and so it has power, infinite power. I read this week that to experience beauty... You need neither religion nor philosophy. You need neither arts nor aesthetics, neither science nor culture. All is being flooded with beauty. All it needs is dedication. So, beauty is for me finally a deep knowing, which Cantor in his books calls a deja vu of the spirit.
0: Wow. So, growing up in the evangelical world that I grew up in, um, beauty was not something that we talked a lot about. Um, the world view that we carried was that there was a cosmic war in the heavens. A coup had been thrown on God and the universe had become a battlefield. Humans were cast into that battle and I only looked at life as a war zone. And that very negative view, that very non-life giving view of the universe um, did not lead me and did not lead most of us To behold the real gift of God that was all around us Um, as my view of the universe and God has been reshaped uh, at the same time I found myself lagging behind on this subject of enjoying these gifts of God but part of catching up to that process is beginning to develop my palate beginning to develop my eye and begin to developing my ear for these gifts of God. To believe that this isn't simply a cosmic war-torn zone that we are just stewarding until we get out of here to another world. Believing that the end of this world is not a great conflagration and fire that gets rid of that which is bad. Um, I made mention the other day that I think the true prophets of the kingdom are not those that scare people about the end times. The true prophets of the kingdom are those who enliven people about the possibilities of a future in front of us. And so for me, um, beauty is a new exploration to open my eyes and to see the divine all around me. I was reading as I was thinking about my own definition for beauty. First definition I ever heard for beauty was I was talking to one of my uncles. Uh, who had a new girlfriend, and and I, I, he was talking about how beautiful she was, and I, I made mention of the fact that beauty was only skin deep. I'll never forget, he said, yes, Stan, beauty is only skin deep, but who likes a pretty pancreas? <laughs> and that was about as deep as my thoughts of beauty went in those first years. Um, very superficial. But as I've moved uh, deeper into thoughts of God, and thoughts of life, and the cosmos, i resonate with a definition by george bancroft that name may be recognizable to you not in the field of aesthetics but bancroft probably was the greatest u.s historian lived almost completely he was born in 1800 and died in the 1890s but he had a 10 volume set that's still highly respected in academic circles on the history of the united states but bancroft one time commenting on beauty made this statement he said beauty is the sensible image of the infinite. Now that's a short phrase but it merits just sitting with for a moment. Beauty is the sensible. What does he mean by sensible? He's not simply talking about that which is rational or reasonable but sensible in the strictest sense of the word. Beauty is the sensible or sense capable. Touch, taste, smell, hearing, sight. Beauty is the sense-capable image. The sense-captured image of the infinite. So, Bancroft's point is that there is an infinite world around us. This is what Jesus called the kingdom of God. Bancroft said there is the infinite and there is the finite. And Bancroft located our senses, our bodies, the flower, the sunset, anything corporeal or material, he located that in the finite. And he said all of these finite things, the face of your child, the, the full moon in a black velvety sky, the stars draped around it. These are finite things that finite senses can be captured by, can make images of, can imprint the back of the eyelids of your mind with. And these images are the physical manifestation of something infinite. I love that, and yet even that is becoming incomplete in a lovely way for me. Because more and more, I do not believe the five senses and the beautiful ivory moon and the black sky or the face of a child. More and more, the deeper I get in to the Christian view of incarnation, the Christian idea of incarnation that I think after 2000 years, we're really beginning to tap into the fullness of what this means that God would call the material world good and instead of making it another like Plato did with his dualism and the West has done with this division this this good and bad this dualistic binary God literally became flesh in Jesus goes our story to reaffirm what God had said in creation that this is good not only is it good but it is Incapable of being separate from the divine. It is the divine, not just in manifest form, but in image, but in substance. And so, as much as I love Bancroft's idea that beauty is the sensible or sense captured image of the infinite, a picture of my child though beautiful is not the same as my child. And I do not believe these things are simply captured portraits and pictures. I think they are the thing itself. And I think our senses, our five senses are of infinite capacity. And I think the face of that child is of an infinite nature. This is what Paul tried to teach us when he taught us the resurrection of the body, that we would not be disembodied angels in heaven. This is why when Jesus rose, he did not come back in phantasm or phantom or ghost-like capacities. This is why when the Christian, the Christ, rose into the heavens, it was a body that went there. This is the affirmation that these things are not simply images of the infinite, but they are infinite themselves. So beauty is the infinite and everything is infinite. No wonder Keats said beauty is truth and truth is beauty. I do not believe that we have a sixth sense. I think that's a cop out. I think we have five senses that are supernal in themselves. And I think what we have described as the sixth sense is when we fully waken our five senses. And when we see as we have the capacity to see, and when we taste as we have the capacity to taste, and when we hear as we have the capacity to hear, <laughs> then we are all walkers on water. And we are all tapping in, not to the portrait, but to the thing itself. The sixth sense is simply the five senses fully alive, and this is the Christ-making journey. And the things that we have called beautiful are simply those things per our own culture, palette, and developed psychology. The things we have called beautiful are simply the things that tap us into beauty itself, which is all things. And the more developed our senses get, the less wow factor we need to call something beautiful. And we finally come to the beautiful place that the simplest of things are as beautiful as the peaks of Everest, because everything is infinite. Everything is divine. So beauty is not simply the sensible image of the invisible and the infinite. Beauty is recognizing that the visible is infinite. So let us taste and see that the Lord is good, amen? Beauty. Hmm. Why don't we have Shana come now? And don't you she want to open it up? Maybe get a couple of, love, of yeah, she's coming do up. that. And
1: we'd love to hear from you. And again, this isn't a full definition, but if you have a word or a thought that's on your head, when we say beauty is, what comes to mind for you?
0: That's good. Just like a pop, like yeah. pop. Yeah. Anybody? You think of beauty. I, I like that. I haven't thought of that. You think of beauty. Let's do like the psychiatric ink blot. You think of beauty. What comes to mind? One Slip word. put your
1: hand up and we'll yes. Love.
0: Love. My daughter Sebantha when I held her in my arms after thirty six hours of labor. Thirty-six hours of labor. <laughs> hours of labor it is. And you held your daughter. We'll
2: just repeat it.
0: Nine pound baby. Somebody give this woman a medal. 36 (laughs) hours. 36 (laughs) hours of torture and it's beauty.
1: Yeah. And I just, I can't get her image out of my mind. I want to call her and tell her that. Beauty.
0: Yeah. Somebody else. Beauty first.
1: Carol. Oh, you're pointing. Oh. Yes. Oh, there they
0: are. Um, Beauty is connection for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Connecting to reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Demarco. Mm-hmm. Authenticity. Authenticity. Yes. Yeah, and I
0: don't. We don't have to have the microphone. Yeah. We're just doing one word. Holler it out. Yeah, Sarah. Grief.
1: Grief. grief. It's not weird at all. Jesus said, grief.
0: "Blessed are those who mourn." Something about that, to me, says Jesus was saying beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's why my art, my hero Nicholas Walterstorff, after he buried his 25-year-old son from a mountain climbing accident said he finally realized that lament is love song. Oh, lament is love song because grief is existential testimony to the worth of the thing lost. The depth of the valley is the measure of the mountain. Blessed. Jesus could have said beautiful are those who mourn. Others?
1: Symmetry.
0: Symmetry. Blossoming, mm. metamorphosis. Yes. Fully experiencing
1: what's going on around you. Fully experiencing what's going on around you. Yes. Yes. Effort. Effort.
0: Yeah. I love the fact that the person carrying the microphone around <laughs> <to> everybody, when <laughs> she finally talks, she doesn't use the microphone. <laughs> that just—that's us. You're we just hate the micro. To. I know. I, <laughs> we hate the microphone. We can't get the microphone thing right, can we? Is uh, beauty is effort. That goes back to Phelps and the swimming mm-hmm. and the.
1: Yes. Bravery. 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 Beauty is bravery.
0: Mountains. Mountains.
1: Mountains. Yep. I right hear. Imperfection. Imperfection. Yes. Being available. Being available. Beauty is. Yes. Growth. growth. Beauty is growth.
0: Standing at our front door, watching all the smiling faces come in, he said, we'll beautiful. knock you out.
1: Beautiful.
0: Yeah. I love, I'm back to imperfection. This, the deeper we go into these ideas like Christianity is surmised of incarnation, we are moving away from dualism. Mm. It is not beautiful and ugly, and it's not good and bad, and it's not symmetry and asymmetry. And it's not perfection and imperfection. There is, there is a spectrum to beauty and it's not less than and more than. It's different. And to be able to see the suffering, the grief, the asymmetry, the imperfection, the beauty in that. I don't know. This is hard to explain. It, aren't there some things like that that you cannot articulate but you kind of go, that tastes right. <laughs> we intuit this. Disco- How old are you? Eight. 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 Yes. That's beautiful. Discovery.
1: Confident humility. Confident, Confident. humility. Mm-hmm. Beauty is asking for help, but acceptance. Yeah. Yes. And a sense of children. True. Simplexity.
0: Simple and complex. Simplexity. <laughs> Did you just make it's that One up? of those Stan
1: words. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Simplexity. Someone had their hand back here. Yes. Everything
0: that's within us. Gosh, I, we were just listening to Deepak Chopra the other night. He was in town, Mel and Ben. We, we went and... Um, Chopra was talking about the fact how when we breathe out, our exhalation is 10 to the 22nd power of atoms, or molecules, not just atoms, 10 to the 22nd power we breathe out, and when we breathe in, we're breathing in 10 to 22nd power. And our breath carries organic material. We literally are breathing out parts of our kidneys and our hearts, we, <laughs> sounds gross on one level, but we are breathing ourselves out and we are breathing one another in. He said at any given moment, each of us have at least a million atoms in our bodies that belong to Jesus. We also have a million atoms in our body that belong to Hitler. We are remarkably connected in ways that we cannot imagine. And this breathing in and breathing out of union, oh my. This is just beautiful. Shayna. Let's,
1: let's step down. So yeah. we, again, we want to expose you to some beauty. Oh, no. No, go ahead.
0: Oh, yeah. We're egalitarian here. Yeah. Gentlemen first.
1: We want to expose you to some beautiful things. Um, we also, hmm, move this stand. We also, um, some, so some of these things that we'll expose you to, we'll talk about beauty specifically, and other things will just be beautiful. But this is a poem that Shana Dupre is going to read over us.
2: On Beauty by Khalil Gibran. Where shall you seek beauty and how shall you find her unless she herself be your way and your guide? And how shall you speak of her except she be the weaver of your speech? The aggrieved and the injured say, beauty is kind and gentle. Like a young mother, half shy of her own glory, she walks among us. And the passionate say, nay, beauty is a thing of might and dread. Like the tempest, she shakes the earth beneath us and the sky above us. The tired and the weary say, beauty is of soft whisperings. She speaks in our spirit. Her voice yields to our silences like a faint light that quivers in fear of the shadow but the restless say, we have heard her shouting among the mountains and with her cries came the sound of hoofs and the beating of wings and the roaring of lions. At night, the watchmen of the city say, beauty shall rise with the dawn from the east. And at noontide, the toilers and the wayfarers say, we have seen her leaning over the earth from the windows of the sunset. In winter, say the snowbound, she shall come with the spring leaping upon the hills. And in the summer heat, the reapers say, we have seen her dancing with the autumn leaves and we saw a drift of snow in her hair. All these things have you said of beauty. Yet in truth, you spoke not of her, but of needs unsatisfied. And beauty is not a need, but an ecstasy. It is not a mouth thirsting, nor an empty hand stretching forth, but rather a heart inflamed and a soul enchanted. It is not the image you would see nor the song you would hear, but rather an image you see though you close your eyes and a song you hear though you shut your ears. It is not the sap within the furrowed bark nor a wing attached to a claw, but rather a garden forever in bloom and a flock of angels forever in flight. People of Orphalese, beauty is life when life unveils her holy face, but you are life and you are the veil. Beauty is eternity gazing at itself in a mirror, but you are eternity and you are the mirror.
0: Khalil Gibran, if you're looking for that, the poem is simply called 25, he numbered his poems. To speak of beauty is to speak of the ineffable. the the unspeakable, literally. And you almost feel like a fool to speak of these things. But when we were thinking about leading us through, I'm humming in front of this. When we were thinking about leading us through um, a few weeks on the subject of beauty, um, we didn't want to take you. um, Aesthetics is the philosophical or scientific exploration of beauty and art and nature and how these things impact the soul. Um, This was not an effort to mine the complex hills of some philosophical discipline like aesthetics. From a religious, spiritual standpoint, we believe beauty is a mechanism. We believe beauty is an advantage. It's a tool. It's a method. Uh, To use Christian language, we believe beauty is a sacrament. It has been, I think, a great tragedy that the Christian Church Protestant and Catholic have been arguing for 2000 years over whether there are seven sacraments or whether there are two. The reality is I think there are an infinite number of sacraments. As a matter of fact I think all of life is sacramental. If sacrament means a special thing that is touched by God and thus a medium of grace The reality is there is nothing within the cosmos that lacks the capacity to be a medium of grace to take us into a place of transcendence to take us into an experience of the divine the Apostle Paul spoke of a supernal experience that he had where he saw such beautiful things that the spectrum of his language and the spectrum of his conceptualism the spectrum of his brain literally offered him no capacity to explain paul said and a lot of people believe that it was when he had a near-death experience outside of Lystra. you might remember from paul's life he was stoned one time and he was left for dead a lot of people believe that he literally did die and he had this transcendent experience as his body was drug out of the city where he was martyred Paul said, speaking of that experience, in a third person humility because it was so profound that again, he, he felt it would be presumptuous to speak of it directly as something that happened to him. So he spoke of himself in the third person, this literary grammatical tool of humility. He said, I knew a man in Christ 14 years ago, who whether in the body or out of the body, was taken up into the third heavens now, that language is using the scientific language of the Mediterranean Rim at that time. It was a Ptolemaic universe. There was the first heavens, the second heavens. First heavens were what you saw in the daytime beneath the clouds. The second heavens was what you could see a bit of at night in the stars. And the third heavens, do you know what the third heavens was? That was where God lived. In the era of the Renaissance, Kepler and Copernicus and Galileo took us beyond the Ptolemaic view of the universe. And they began to understand that the universe was quite different than this mythological universe that humans had understood it as before. But Paul spoke in the language, the concept of his day. And he said, I knew a man who went up into the third heavens and whether it was in the body or out of the body. And I think this is a brilliant statement. Um, Uh, the other night Chopra said many things that we've been calling out-of-body experiences are actually in body experiences see that's that dualism if we really want to have a profound experience we've got to get out of the body right because the body must be bad the body must be limited the body is the finite and the spirit is the infinite CS Lewis was brilliant when he said we do not have a soul we are a soul this is not the uh, this is not the unimportant shell that carries my soul this is the way the soul Stan Mitchell expresses itself and is alive in this particular phase of my existence we don't have a soul we are a soul and so we don't have to go out of the body to have supernal experiences because those experiences are in the body So when Paul said, I don't know whether it was in the body or out of the body, I just know I went up. Even the verticalizing of the experience, we all knew hell was down and heaven was up, and we got to go up. But Paul's elevation was not a physical elevation, it was an elevation of soul. Paul said, I went up into the third heavens, and when I went into the third heavens, I had an aesthetic experience of beauty. Paul said, when I went into this other dimension, and it took grief, it took dying, it took martyrdom. He had been stoned, Lee, and left for dead. And somehow, if you go far enough east, you come to the west. And if you go far enough into the tears, you come to the laughter. And if you go far enough into the grief, you come to the joy. And if you go far enough into the dying, you come to the living. And Paul said, at this inverted apex, the worst experience of my life, stoned, pummeled, they set you down in a little ravine and they throw rocks at you and you dodge them as long as you can until you begin to take them on and then staggered and drunk and beaten you're pummeled until you die and into the deep east of misery and suffering Paul said I was taken up into the third heavens where I saw things colors and I heard things, sounds, and I felt things. I remember Buck Rambo telling me just before he died how battling cancer and pain and back his body breaking down. This old mentor of mine said that one day down in Florida, May and him walked down to the beach, and he said, I simply sat down on a rock and said, I don't want to walk. She tried to encourage him to walk. He was in the last months of his life. He didn't want to die. He was struggling with the pain of leaving the pain of his body. Finally, May separated from him and she said, okay, I will leave you here. And he said, I sat there in the most miserable sadness of my life. And he said, as I was sitting there, a breeze blew off of the ocean. And he said, it filled my nostrils and it overwhelmed me in such a way that he said if you took the worst of smell and compared it to the best of smell and then took that best of smell and compared it to the experience i had in my nostrils at this moment he said it was more distinct from the world's best smell than the world's best smell was from the world's worst smell it was that different and he said it literally gave me goosebumps and he said I had never had he said the accumulation of all the experiences that I had ever had physically sexually psychologically every great experience it came into this moment and he said for the next 15 minutes it overwhelmed me and my hair stood on end and he said if I if I could tell you he said I I can't even tell you but if I could have, I would have given everything I'd ever had in my life, every penny I'd ever owned for the experience of that smell. And he said, finally, as the smell began to subside, he said, a voice spoke to me, and the voice said, Buck, it's me. And he said, I knew this was God. A God that comes, we know, as sights and... Sounds and sometimes even feelings But God came to him as a smell He said it was the pearl of great price that I would have sold everything I had And I would have bought that field where that smell was perfumed Paul said I went up into the third heavens And I smelled and I saw Impulsive, when I came back and crossed the membrane into this dimension, which was a de-elevation, I came back down from the third heavens and I was here. He said, my tongue failed me. I longed, as Beekner said, to take the silver tongue of an orator and dip it into wisdom's fount. But as I spoke, clack, clack went the wooden tongue of my ignorance against the palate of my inability. Clack, clack, goes the wooden tongue. (laughs) When you couple that experience that Paul had, and I have had two to four of those experiences in my 48 years, with the wisdom of Jesus when Jesus said to the Pharisees, denying dualism, denying the diminishment of the physical, denying the separation of the finite and the infinite, Jesus said to the Pharisees, religion still sees the infinite and the finite, the physical and the spiritual. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this world, Jesus said, when you finally understand you will realize there is no separation and there is no membrane. The wormhole is inside, the veil is inside, the thin place is inside. And the elevation is not a physical elevation into the stars, it's a supernal spiritual elevation deep into yourself, because we are made of stardust. And the universe inside of us is larger than the universe outside of us. So when Paul went into the third heavens, Jesus told the Pharisees, do you not know the kingdom of heaven is within you? Paul went deep into himself. And the out-of-body experience is the in-body experience. And that is what spiritual guides and directors do. They try to nurture and facilitate that. And it is our conclusion that the things we have called beauty just might be the keys that unlock not the heavenly external journey, but our brains have been created by God, our souls have been designed by God that these mechanisms of art, and nature, and faces, and symmetry, and asymmetry, and grief, and these little gifts, her voice, the poetry of Gabron are the keys that unlock the wormhole, and off we go into a journey, where we sit by seashores, and as we are dying, smells fill our nostrils that we would sell our souls for, because these smells are our soul. This is why we take you on a journey toward beauty.
1: Amen. Thank you. (laughs) I want to invite our musicians back up and also our offering attendants to prepare themselves. So we're going to be talking about this for the next three weeks after this. And I would love it if this week specifically, your call to action, um, besides noticing beauty not only in yourself and the world around you, I want you to take a picture of what beauty is to you and email it to me, melissa at gracepoint.net, and we're going to show them all next week. I also would love it if you're on Facebook and social media, if you'll post this, beauty is dot dot dot, Post your picture and put hashtag beauty, hashtag GracePoint.
0: Okay, so literally, because I my brain thinks slow. This week. Yep. Find something beauty
1: that I think is. is beautiful. Yep.
0: Take a picture of it and send it to you. Send
1: it to me, and if you're on social media, put it on social media. And
0: we're gonna show those.
1: Yeah, next wow, week. Wow, that would be great. Yeah.
0: I like that. <laughs> she surprises me. I think that's incredible.
1: Oh. Do you wanna talk about quickly what we're doing next week before she sings this song?
0: Yeah, uh, you, know, you can explain that better than I can. Mel and Michelle were talking the other day about we have so externalized beauty in the other. I think one of the great journeys is the internal journey of discovering our own beauty. And um, there are so many profound stories that I could tell here that just came out of our conversation the other day, but one of them Uh, may have been Mel had the idea of taking communion next week in in another form but a very beautiful form if the Apostle Paul said communion is simply recognizing and discerning the Lord's body and then Paul said it is recognizing and discerning the Lord's body whom you are I as well as all of you have always wrestled with insecurities from physical appearance to psychological expression we all have our own insecurities Uh, some of us mask them better than others but to see oneself as beautiful next week we're going to have a time with mirrors and I won't give all of it away But we're going to put mirrors in this place and we're gonna be led on a healing internal journey to finding the beauty of God within. Is that enough?
1: That's
0: enough. It's gonna be wonderful. (laughs) I'm I'm a little insecure and nervous about it, (laughs) but I think that tells me that this must be a really good thing, so.
1: Would you stand with me as we close? Thank you for being here with us today. As always, you can give online or give at the door. We always have those offering boxes. Some of you don't like to give in the bag, but we are so grateful for how you partner with us here at Grace Point. There is a Navajo blessing that says, in beauty I walk. With beauty before me, I walk. With beauty behind me, I walk. With beauty above me, I walk. With beauty all around me, I walk. It is finished in beauty. So may we walk and live with and in beauty this week. God bless you guys. Have a fabulous week. We'll see you next week.